to You Can't Get to Heaven in a Miniskirt. My name is Jessica. And my name's Sarah. And if you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Heaven in a Miniskirt. And if you'd like to go to our website, it is heaveninaminiskirt.com. And we have new theme music, as you just heard. We are so excited. And it's a bop. Yeah. It's so good. So that theme music was done by, coincidentally, the guests that we have on the podcast today, which are Josh and Presley, known as the original Sinfluencer on TikTok. I believe their handle is at Original Sinfluencer. And they have these alter egos called Tristan and Sage, and they pose as worship leaders, and they sing verses directly out of the Bible that are... Problematic. Problematic. (laughs) they're hilarious and incredibly talented, as you can see uh, with our theme music. And I think their music has been super healing for people that have deconstructed and for people that were within Christianity and offensive for people that are still within Christianity. Yeah. So we interviewed them. It's going to be a two-part series. So part one is right now, you're listening to it. We talk about so many things, deconstruction, mega churches, tattoos. We have a lot of really good topics and I had to split it into two because we talked to them for so long. It wasn't feasible for us to put it into one episode, but the next episode comes out next week, so you don't have to wait two weeks for part two. They're extremely talented. We had so much fun. Seriously, check them out. Support them if you can. Yeah, TikTok, the original Simfluencer. They're the best. They're super down to earth, and I love them. And we definitely talk about a lot of, we have a lot of terms in the episode that are kind of specific. If you grew up in the church, you hopefully will understand what we're talking about. I had to personally ask a lot of questions about like certain acronyms that we talked about in certain terms and certain groups of people. And um, so hopefully I'm, I asked enough questions so that if you didn't grow up Christian, you're not super lost. If you're not fluent in Christianese, then. If you're not fluent in Christianese, you might be a little lost for a minute, but usually we'll come around and explain stuff. So. Oh my God, please enjoy. And uh, I think that's it for me right now. Bye-bye. Welcome to You Can't Get to Heaven in a Miniskirt. And we have guests today. And we've been talking for about 10 minutes and need to do an intro. Um, It's our first time having guests ever. Oh, yeah. We just started this podcast. I don't know. How long has it been? Six months? Less? We started in September or October. And it's our favorite thing that we've ever done in our whole life. Yes. Yes. We love it. Honestly, we oh, love your guys' you. videos. Oh, I'm You're so, so glad. I'm so glad. Yeah. And I hope that, that we can ask good questions and have a nice conversation. Um, but wondering, before we get started, could you guys introduce yourselves with your real names, but also your stage names, as I will call them? <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm Joshua, and I also go by Tristan. And I'm Presley, and I also go by Sage. <laughs> I love the names, 
and I, I like, <laughs> how did you come up with this? Is there a story there? We were asking. Yeah, there. Oh yeah. There's a story. It all like the the funny thing is we're glad that it ended up the way it did because it was not. It did not. It wasn't as thought out as it comes off as. So I love telling a story too because the first thing that happened was I was listening to the story of my life. Is that One Direction? Or is yeah, that the... also side note, Joshua legitimately w does not know the difference between Ariana Grande and Lady Gaga. I'm not even saying that to be quirky. <laughs> I'm saying like, if you make a pop culture reference, like we need to be kind to him because dude like just learned who Rihanna is. Oh so um, I know we found we found love in a hopeless place. But, but I could talk to you about like man. 90s, 90s, like emo punk rock. If you want to know like, like really specific um, musical <laughs> facts in a very like maybe a 10 to 20 year span in the punk rock community. But then also like really knows stuff like Billy Joel and like Pink Floyd. So yeah. There's basically an area of about 10 to 20 years where he was like off the map. I think that's fair though. I think that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just learned that Harry Styles was in One Direction. Oh, yes. again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it... we'll, we'll keep that in mind. We won't judge. You'll yeah. have a kind heart. No, that's okay. I, it's, it's actually kind of funny. It's... It is actually really funny. Yeah. So we were listening to the story of my life by One Direction. Our Sarah. friend came over who has no idea what the church is, like never stepped foot in a church, doesn't know what worship music is, has, doesn't know what lifting your hands in worship is. And like is a full grown adult with like a child. So it's like <laughs> really like survived, made it through for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And then so we're I had heard this Harry or story of my life song and it felt like a worship song. It was like powerful. I was like moved by it. And I was like, we have to sing this song. Like we're leading a worship song, um, you know, make it funny. And we were running out of time um, because our student was coming over and she walks in and we're like, just stand in the back and lift your hands. And she was wearing like a hat and like, she looked the part. She looked like she walked right out of fucking Bethel. <laughs> and so, uh, so we did that song. And then there was this other verse that like, we always just kind of laugh at the Deuteronomy verse. If two men are fighting and the wife of one of them reaches out to stop them from fighting, touches the guy's junk, cut off her hand and show her no pity. And so we're like, let's put that to a song. And like, we did that. And then the, it like, took off it was like and we we're like whoa mm -hmm. this which is... also i think it's really funny that the bible is never specific unless it has to do with telling us it's a woman or woman <laughs> and also like when not to show her pit no pity it's always like hey everything's gonna be unclear <laughs> however yeah. they were female bears and we no pity can be shown to her like why yeah fuck women yeah. it's always worst. specific for that no you guys the bible's totally pro-woman come on yeah have you not read about the levite and his concubine oh yeah true yeah, yeah. Oh, thank, um, you Sarah. thank you for that enlightenment yeah so we but so we started doing these songs and the funny thing was we were like okay we're gonna get a lot of hate for this um we should probably like come up with these alter egos to like that we can you know place out there well yeah my name is freaking presley it's like nine letters one of them silent I, it's like way <laughs> specific of a name too so you went from that to stage <laughs> stage stage is so good but it's such a good like homeschool kid christian name totally. like 
Yes. Yes, very wholesome. You could be like super like atheist and like new age woo woo, or you could be like super Christian. That's the thing with that name. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, Prez, what, what should our names be? And she just like threw out Tristan and Sage. And it was like, that's it. Like that's, that's it. Which also sounds like a soap company. (laughs) Do you think that Jesus, he planted that idea in your head? You know, he's always inside of me. (laughs) The Holy Spirit for sure. Um, But when you had asked like, um, but yeah, like our friend really didn't know what we were doing. But um, in terms of like, are these based off characters? Totally. They're totally based off of one, just being a woman in the church. Like you just know already. So like that. And then second of all is just like Sage is the type of woman who will like boast about never letting her husband kiss her on the first date. Like as <laughs> for me, like my I didn't let him kiss me. Like he pursued me. Like, but in the kind of way where she's so blind to it that she's actually hurting other young women around her by essentially, essentially slut shaming them. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like it very holy You're that. giving me chills. And then, like, together, we're just newlyweds, but we're going to give you a 12-week course on how to live a happy, healthy marriage because, you know, so very just, like, blind. So, like, not only are they ignorant and justified, but they're completely blind to um, the hurt and damage that they're causing um, Uh, based on, like, putting themselves on a pedestal. I do want to point out that one of the like characters that I think about with this is like a combination of these two women that I I do know and I think they have really good intentions but one of them was the one who had said like made a, a really terrible like racist joke towards me and um another one is the type of person who like if you say something to them they're gonna say well you need to work on your heart like that's how <laughs> you need to work on your heart it's a heart condition, it's a heart condition. <laughs> at least it's not a deceiving spirit i've been told that oh god Ooh, spirit of deception careful yeah yeah the spirit of deception totally and so like a lot of people always ask like how do you keep a straight face it's because i have like so much anger <laughs> inside yes. of me and I have to, I channel that, like, we really do have to put ourselves into character because we really don't like being inauthentic. Like, we're oversharers. Like, probably by the end of this, like, you'll know about my colonoscopy and, like, our social security numbers. I love it. I'm a huge oversharer. I'm a huge oversharer. I wouldn't recommend putting the social security numbers on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes, and that's why we have Sarah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. She stops us from saying what we really want to say. She does. Is Sarah the small group leader? Is that what's happening here? Is that? Oh, I'm definitely the small group leader. And I'm definitely like low-key the fun police too. Oh no. <laughs> but no, no, I'm not actually Jessica's the funnier one and I'm the one that's like, yeah, but it's not all Christians that think. Yeah, that. oh yeah. She's does she's like hashtag not all Christians. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard yeah. not to speak when you've been wounded by the church and you've been wounded by Christianity and religion, it's really hard not to speak generally about it. But we have to be honest and we do we catch ourselves all the time there are some amazing people that are still in the church truly doing and and good for them if if the bible is truly like pushing them towards goodness and i know a lot of people who are like that's incredible and i do have to stop myself sometimes and remember that those people do exist like they are and to be clear like we don't have a problem with any religion Mm -hmm. or what people believe or going to church on sunday or worshiping or even listening to christian music or even the bible it's just telling other people or rather 
shaming other people or forcing other people to believe what they believe and then like that going beyond into some very hurtful like very real consequence causing issues yeah that's where all yeah problem. i think as soon as that impacts other people's rights very. that's where you're like hmm, your freedom of religion should not inform public policy yep. exactly <laughs> you know <laughs> especially in the states like i mean i'm sure stuff like that is happening here but my god uh, i know yeah. i just i can't believe it in canada marriage was made legal across the country like marriage equality in 2005 so that's when Jessica and I were in high school. And so but seeing it just come in like 2015 for the States, it's so different. It's so confusing uh, having grown up in Canada and just like it's weird living in Canada because we are so like in the U.S. Like we are really into the U.S. news, but the U.S. doesn't give a shit about Canada, which is fine. I don't want them to even look at us. But <laughs> but it feels like everything that happens in your country, it's happening to us, too. But I mean, we we still do have like a decent sized conservative Christian population, like the Freedom Convoy in Canada that you probably did you hear about that? Yeah, yeah. that was wild. I you know, that was I don't know much about Canadian politics, but I that definitely bled into the US. We have very conservative people up here, I guess you could say. And uh... I just don't want to get beat up by a Canadian because I'll tell you what I, I was in Canada once and I saw the craziest fucking bar fight of my life. Like people were getting hit with <laughs> pool cues. Where pool in balls. Canada was this? Yeah, where it were was you? In Vancouver. And like people were getting hit with pool balls and like I snuck out the back and it was a whole thing. And so I was like, I never want to have to fight. It's uh, it's pretty wild up here. It is. Yeah. It I was, don't want to go to Canada. It was a fun time. Yeah, come visit. Come visit. Yeah. We're, so fun. We're super fun. I know. Yeah, anytime. I, I, yes. Okay. It's funny because I... Um, We're I, moving in. We make a go. lot of noise with our music. So yep. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get kicked out. Okay. So I have a list of questions. Now, That's what cool. I'm really interested is, in is mega churches. So I just did a, like a tiny bit of research to give you guys context on Canadians versus Americans when it comes to mega churches. So there are 1,800 mega churches in North America, and only 35 of them are in Canada. Oh. And Canada and California have a very similar population, like population-wise, almost the exact same. Oh. And there's 218 in mega churches in California and 35 in all of Canada. So it's just like, it kind of gives you that idea of how not, maybe not common they are here and how fascinating they are. I think, I don't know about Sarah, but they're fascinating to me because I've been to one in Canada. Sarah's been to one in Canada and I, one in the UK? One in the UK as well, yeah. But other than that, they're not that common. And I just have, I just have so many questions. <laughs> Let's yeah. go. Cause can I just right off the bat say something? So there is a misconception because I would say there's two or there's a bunch of types of mega churches, but there's like the conservative mega church and then there's like the hipster mega church. Oh. And what we can speak towards is like the hipster mega church. Um, what a lot of people see is like righteous gemstones, yeah. like that, that kind of mega church. And that's like that's a different breed of mega church. That's like Joel Olstein, like concert, like, like right. what I was part of. And I think what, what you were part of as well in California is there is this like kind of Saddleback. I don't know if you've ever heard of Saddleback church, um, yep. that kind of mega church where it is trying to make the Bible as like palatable as possible. And the, the like, we are trying to make it so cool. So like the, the mega church I was a part of, we would do, 
rock songs for God. And so it would be like Blink-182. We'd get up and do a Blink-182 song, right? And then, and then like the pastor would get up and be like, isn't it just about the, all the small things? <laughs> oh my God, yes. You know what I mean? And so- Making it culturally relevant. Exactly, you know, and it's like, yeah, the Bible says weird stuff, but here's the spirit of the law, you know? Like, and so just try, and you know, they allowed a dirt bag like me, um, like with tattoos, like they, they, they liked that I brought some like raw, real like <laughs> to the church. Oh, yeah. you know? Like, and we had women pastors as well. So that wasn't like, it wasn't the kind of church that um, didn't allow like women to speak. There was, a, this is funny because there so was funny. a period of time where, um, if a woman were to speak, it would be under a man's authority. I was like, I was on stage once when a senior pastor said that. And so that's where that got picked up for Tristan. And Which Sage. side note, because we get a lot of people who are like, that's never been said. Like they, it's almost like people think that that's their way of saying like, ha, they weren't ever real Christians. Like oh they God. don't know what they're talking about. And that's our whole thing is we're not trying to, I mean, every once in a while we're, we'll add our own thoughts into it. But if you notice, it's never under Tristan and Sage. It really is always like Joshua and myself. Yeah. And so like anytime they're like, oh, you were never a believer. We're like, no, this very much so happened. Being a woman, like all the time I'd hear, because I did the more like man like stuff because I did the audio engineering and like lighting and playing guitar. And I love that. Um, and I'd always get things like, oh, it's a really hard job for a woman or like and they'd show up to to a set and they're like, well, where's where is he? And it's like, bitch, he is me. Yeah. Like, I'm the sound engineer, you know, <laughs> that's wild. I think Sarah can kind of speak to that more than I can. Yeah. So I definitely within the New Frontiers Church, there's some people that call them like NFI, no females included, New Frontiers International because they're they're kind of that like the man is the head and like they have elders they don't have pastors their people are not ordained or going they don't go through seminary they just get chosen by the other elders so it's this really old boys club imbalance old boys club imbalance of power structures and i worked in that church and there were two students and one was a man and then there was me and like he would always be asked to speak and they'd be like oh you can help with the mother baby club yeah like it was very very much headship submission yeah weaker vessel and it was interesting like in the in, equal but different in the in the hipster like mega churches and this was always funny because all these these big issues would be kind of acceptable like like so it's kind of acceptable to have a woman up front and teaching and like we've done the apologetics to say that the bible's not saying this about women so we're going to have we're going to be able to have it's women speaking us all and, submitting to Christ right. together <clears throat> and they yes uh, Ephesians 21 and and they do that with the the clobber passages as well so like um I was part of this mega church and really we were all on staff. There's a bunch of pastors on staff who were trying to push this like, Hey, let's be an open and affirming church. Like let's do this. And so we brought in, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Justin Lee um, back in the day, he wrote this really, really like a, a book that caused a lot of controversy. It was called torn. And he was being very open about being a gay Christian. But there were these two sides that were presented, side A and side B. Side A being like, you can be a gay Christian and still get into heaven and God loves you. Side B, like, 
you're sinning against God, but we still think you might go to heaven. Like, I, I think that's, I'm probably doing a really shit job of <laughs> yeah, setting out up. Of, out of context, that's our canceled, like, headline. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, so, so for, for like seven years as a pastoral team, we dissected the clobber passages. We went through them all and tried to disprove them all and all these things. But ultimately, it was like a total waste because when we got to the end of it and we're like, yeah, we don't think this is what the Bible's saying. We do feel like we have a journey to take the congregation on, but there was a few of the big givers that that wasn't there. That's not how they saw it. And that's not how the, and then ultimately like that kind of dream died and it was, it was short. Well, you need the tithing money, right? Exactly. And then everyone was signing contracts saying we won't do it. And I don't know what the policy there is anymore, but from what I heard, like there were other, there was ideas that get thrown out. This one's always funny to me is that, they find these loopholes, these kind of cool churches. And so one of the loopholes is, well, we're going to have none of our pastors able to marry anyone. We're going to say no one will be marrying anyone under the name of said church, but you could go out and get and marry people under your own name as a pastor. Right? Like, so there are all these loopholes. Like it's a, it's all mental fucking gymnastics. Truly. Like, Mm-hmm. I'm so no. out of my element. I feel like yeah. this is really, really interesting. I feel like a, a, there are some people that listen that I know of that didn't have any ties to Christianity growing up either. So I'm with them right now. I'm with the listeners that are just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And a lot of this is kind of similar. Like if, if you want somewhat of a picture, it's like picture Mars Hill, like Mark Driscoll, yes. but without like the chauvinism, like, I mean, that still exists, but it's, um, They're, they at least know they can't get away with it. Yeah, yes, exactly. A big difference. They hide it. They like know they can't say it. Yeah. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying all, but I do think it takes <laughs> yeah. all Christians. a special breed of uh, pastor to be a mega church pastor, truly. Yeah, we call them game show hosts. Yeah, they come out. They're very game show hosts. Because it really is where the money is and, like, it's scripted. And it was really, like, all about how you presented. Like, I think you shared a story on one of your videos about someone that had said, like, they bought them new clothes. What was that? Was that one of your videos where, like, someone had gotten, like, a bunch of gifts, him and his wife, because they are now part of a ministry team, and it was because they weren't dressed was that another video that I watched? Oh, that's another TikToker. I actually saw okay, that. Okay, okay, yeah. But I can relate. There was a, a huge church in Texas that was trying to hire me. And they straight up, I had a handler who took me to get my hair cut. A handler? That sounds like human trafficking. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I know, but they, like, they took me shopping and bought me all this expensive clothes because they wanted me to look, I mean, because I looked like this. I, this is how I've how always looked. How dare you? And yeah. I know, right, totally. So, but yeah, that, oh, fuck, man. But I remember being at a church, the one I worked in in the UK. So the one that in my hometown that was affiliated with this big organization, they had done a lot of outreach for unhoused people, for you know people that were homeless, and and I love that they were so involved in the community. And I asked about that at the church that I was working at if we could do anything for the homeless popula- population in the city. And they're like, oh, that's not really our target market, but you could go. We're more like a middle class target market, but you could go to the Salvation Army Church because they do a lot for <laughs> for homeless people. And I was like, then I went to the Salvation Army Church. You did. Yeah. Sarah tells me stories, and we've known each other for 20 years, and I hear stories. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was just led, just led by the spirit. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's funny because, yeah, Jessica, I was more like I came into Christian. I went to private elementary school, but it was more because of the morals and I mean, like a lot of other stuff getting into it. But no one in my family is really religious. And culturally, even though Christianity was always there at the beginning, so was Buddhism, just because that's like culturally just part of my life. And so I think that always really shaped the way that I saw things because I never ever felt like other people are going to hell because they believe in other religions because I also always was like, well, I don't know. Buddhism's kind of been around a lot longer. And then also like, what am I going to tell my grandma? She's not like, she's not going to heaven. You know what I mean? Like that was always there. So we were talking about how that makes a difference between our own experiences together because my deconstruction journey it just looks so different than Joshua's cuz yeah i and i for me i put myself into church as well at 14 years old so i i, I didn't come from a, a religious family so i always found myself hating the things that i had to believe mm-hmm. right and i think you're similar in that too like because we didn't grow up in it we put ourselves into it. Like there were things that I legit, like I hated that the Bible said that um, gay people were going to hell. Like, I mean, yeah. that was, or th- those were the interpretations that were being given to me. I hated that. So I didn't, I wasn't yeah. like indoctrinated into it. I was allowed to hate some things while being in it. And um, I'd say that mega churches allow for that kind of thought, at least it, out here. Yeah. Um, until I met like the my, hipster I church. met a Sarah who like brought me into it and like made me see it in a different way. And I like, we're, um, I think we could have still been friends had this person been willing to evolve, but just like nothing to do with religion, just like in general, not willing to evolve. Like, I really do think we could have continued to be friends with her still being involved with the church. But like there was, as soon as like I started thinking for myself, it was like, that's it. So that's what that's weird, like growing up in the church, because you're indoctrinated with certain things, but there are other things that aren't really talked about. Like when I was a child, no one talked about like gay people or the that women were not equal to men. And so I remember being around 12 and waking up to verses like, you know, women should be quiet. Women should submit to men because man is the head of woman. And Mm -hmm. I, I just like delved into it, like with, you know getting obsessed with like the website Christians for Biblical Equality and getting a when I was 12 there were they didn't allow female deacons at my church so I had a petition signed and I was like really intense on getting them to have female deacons it didn't work but yeah. Good for <laughs> you, that's amazing though. Sarah really. yeah so it was weird I feel like on one hand I was like super Christian and into it but I've also been like a big thinker and questioner and I really like I find the like the philosophy behind it and all the different all the different points of view like you know like creationism versus intelligence yeah. exactly. all i was always like, testing the fences always like every fence i would test yeah so yeah I, like i think i would have been really annoying like i was asking so <laughs> many questions and they're like don't be a doubting thomas yes a doubting thomas sarah you're the one like you really <laughs> wanted to believe and you just kept asking questions asking questions and you were probably you were definitely i could see you being very annoying to especially the people at the new frontiers church and we've talked about that a few times before, how yeah. I, they were probably like, oh, Sarah. Yeah, I was the same. Yeah, because Sarah, like when you get down to it, it's just, it all is faith-based, really. And that yeah. like is, there's no way to prove that. It's not even like, I'm not even that black and white of a person where I'm like, I need data and facts. But like, really, there is no other way around it is like any sort of argument or fallacy or anything 
that these believers have always comes down to something that you really just cannot prove. And like, why would we think it's virtuous to have the faith like a little child who is, you know, so innocent and impressionable? Like that just that just reads that you're going to get manipulated, taken advantage, that there's going to be power imbalances. Yeah. That you would want your followers to be like that. It's a weird sort of dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. I have a question along these lines. I wanted to ask you guys, what was the catalyst for both of you to like, quote unquote, wake up? Or was it like a series of moments when you decided to leave the church? Or was there like one big moment where you're like, I'm done? So we want your deconstruction testimony. Yes. Yeah, your deconstruction oh, testimony. My testimony. Ours are completely different. So you want to go first? Yeah, they're different and similar at the same time. But mine, you know, I, I'll say this back to kind of what I was saying before. I feel like I've been deconstructing from the moment that I got into the church. And I've always been testing the fences and, and trying to find the loopholes in trying. I was always trying to make the Bible cool because to, to me, like the Bible is never cool, you know. And so I know that's not the point, yeah. but like but cool in the sense of like I, I'm using language of what I would have used as a teenager in my thought process back there. But like I wanted to my friends who are all like in the punk rock community, like I really, really wanted them. Like I, I thought I had to believe that they were all going to hell and I truly loved them. And so I was like, I need to figure out a way to get them into this. And that never worked. But eventually I just, that kind of kicked off my Christianity in general. I was always kind of questioning and finding the apologetics and finding the weird apologetics and then trying to make sense of all of it. And then as I got older, I felt really stuck in it. And it had become my career. It had become like the thing that I was good at. And like, I think I had probably deconstructed for a long time. But the thing that broke the camel's back for me, and I don't, I don't share this that often, but my nephew at 10 days old passed away. And it was it was an awful tragedy, a horrible, horrible thing to happen to my family. And I, I really felt in that moment, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way that there is a loving God who couldn't stop this from happening and flood in all the free will bullshit comments of that the human experience my humanity leads me to believe that there's no way that that represents a loving god or the god of the bible and it was just kind of like what what broke that moment and then my exit out of the church solidified all of that because it was like i was family until i wasn't and i no longer could put my feet up on the table it was awful. Yeah. So. Yeah. It can be really painful. You lose a lot uh -huh. coming out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then for me, I feel like I should go into a song now. I know. Purify my heart. You know, I can I can do actions to most songs from the two thousands <laughs> Christianity. <laughs> yeah, Sarah's the action yeah. girl. So for me, I remember, because for me, mental health has always been a struggle, like ever since I was a kid. And there, I mean, there's definitely traumatic things that have happened, but I, I'm very like into, okay, well, this made this happen. So then this made this happen and trying to go back and back and back as far as you can. And so, you know, at this point when I was really reflecting on it, I was probably my most Christian. And this was probably like uh, my first couple years of college. Um, at the private Christian university. And I just remember like getting going backwards all the way to the point of, well, if I'm made in God's image and I've always been this way, then I can't help but believe that God made me with depression and anxiety. Like just, I could not find another way around it. And then the only thing I could find is a very C.S. Lewis approach of like, well, it's empathy. <laughs> You're to make you a vessel for others. And then I just kept getting into this, well, 
I just can't imagine being a parent or a father figure or even a creator and creating someone in my image with this ailment. And this idea of God only gives us as much as we can handle is not even in the Bible. It's not even there. No. It does not exist. And that's just not true. Like it is just not factual that someone is only giving us what we can handle because then that gets into like, well, then why are there, you know, thousands of children dying in a cancer ward when people are praying for them, you know? So like that in college was really, it's odd because as I was really feeling that, like the deeper I got, the more it solidified my thinkings that this is just not as stable of an argument. And so then I kept trying to like get deeper and deeper into the theology of it. And then that for me led into me being stuck because all of my skills at this point, like as a musician and an engineer were wrapped up in the church. And I just felt like there was nowhere else I could go that all of my experience, like really anyone could understand this. Like if you would all your experience had been in like marketing and then you want to go into the medical field. Like anyone, you're just like, how could I, like, why did I spend all this time doing it? And so I was stuck, but then ultimately realizing that I was being a music pastor for a startup church that was uh, eco Presbyterian and like already being like financially locked in, finding out that we don't believe in same-sex marriages and that to me, I just, I really felt like fraud and I had a lot of guilt and shame in that. And that really started figuring out how could I get out of it type of mentality. But then I got super, super sick. So I was like locked into it more. Just, it's hard. It's a lot that I'm fitting into this tiny little thing There's a here. lot in her testimony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my testimony. Well, it's really powerful. It's a powerful testimony. Very powerful. I don't mean, I'm not making fun. <laughs> no. Um, so anyway, so that really Nothing just, is sacred with us. It was like a seed. Yeah, it was a seed that just kind of lived there. And then ultimately, you know, I left the church that I was at after just the same thing. Like, why are we saying we're open and affirming if we're not allowing, which we shouldn't even be in this like allowing stage, but like, why are we creating false promises for people knowing like what the result is, which is we don't believe in marriage between the same sex. That was just like, kind of, I just, I had like a big conversation with every single pastor on my way out and it was not good. Yeah, those conversations never go well. No. No. Uh-uh. You want closure, no. but it doesn't necessarily happen. No, you never No, and you want other people to it's like watching somebody getting attacked in a crowded room and no one else you're like no one else is going to say anything. Like we're all seeing this and then everyone just looks the other way. That's wow. so real. That's so well said. It totally yeah. feels that way. Wow. Well, I remember even like one of the churches I went to, the the New Frontiers Church, they would every year they would have people that got kicked out of the church. Like it was one of those ones that was really extreme. And they like would read and explain like who got kicked out and why. Oh, like straight what? church discipline. They would do yeah. like Yeah, yeah, church straight up church discipline. Yeah. Like there was one woman that was a lesbian and she she was like a single mother and her and I guess her daughter by association were told to leave the church because she would not repent and stop the you know the gay lifestyle and this is before I had any sense that I that I was gay and I remember just like I just remember that it felt so gross 
you know the part where Paul's like, just, you know, give them over to the devil, leave them to their own devices. And they, I mean, yeah. power to them. They were very biblical in what they were doing. In their interpretation, they could back that up. But to me, it was, where was the empathy? Where was the love? Yeah. That was not something wow. Jesus would do, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I think Jesus was what made it so hard for me to leave. Like, I loved, I felt like I had, like, I almost felt like I lost, like, a best friend. It was so weird. Yeah. You know, you spend all this time. And loving. With and talking to in your head. And, and truly loving. Like, that yeah. was the thing. Like, I loved Jesus so much. I loved God so much. So much so that I like, I sacrificed a lot. And it's interesting because a lot of people will ask like, what do you, well, what do you believe now? And we don't know, like, or at least, I, I mean, it kind of ebbs and flows. And I feel like I've afforded myself, I'll speak for myself. I've afforded myself the ability to go, I don't know. I, I thought I believed one thing for a really long time. And now I believe something different every day, it feels like. But it's ultimately led out of this small form of thinking where it's hard. Suddenly the God of the Bible and Jesus, it's so tiny. Like it's so small compared to what life really is. Oh, and very we, well we keep boiling it down and, and, and shrinking it down, but then trying to expand it. Like really people are trying to expand it. Like that's why you have all these theologians and they're truly brilliant. Yeah. They really have like a mind for studying. They're trying to, but really it it's so small in my opinion. And this is just my opinion. I don't have science or data to back this up, but it feels lately to me that the Bible has gotten very small. And now that I can peer outside of it, the world is so much bigger and more beautiful and even more connected than I ever thought it was. Yeah. And also like really thinking about it, if God really does exist, if Jesus really, you know, the whole Trinity exists, we really do think that they, him, would find our videos funny. Like, yeah. because we, I don't understand why we don't talk about a sense of humor, but a sense of humor, if we have a sense of humor, then why wouldn't God have a sense of humor? I like that. And to think that he doesn't get the joke limits him. So like all of these people getting so upset about how blasphemous or how, how this is, like I really do think that God would find it funny because we are taking it out of context. Like that is the point yeah. that we are taking out of context and like even starting halfway between a verse. Yeah, we're, we... <laughs> We said this yesterday on a podcast. It's, we felt like it was a good way of saying it, but like we are playing in the shallow end. We know that. And and so it's hard because there's a lot of more depth to, to Presley and I than Tristan and Sage. Um, right before we got on here, someone on TikTok like posted a video, like a pretty well thought out video of why we shouldn't be doing what we're doing. You know, it's kind of like coming at us a little bit. Really? Yeah, but it's it's hard because we watch people miss the point all the time, which is, you know, we are intentionally playing in the shallow end. It's like we're, we're we see these scriptures taken out of context all the time and used against people. And so, yeah, we're just going to do the same thing. Like we, these worship songs that they'll, they'll take like straight Bible verses and then add their own tag. That's an interpretation of whatever they feel like God is leading them into in that song. Yeah. We're doing the same thing, you know, and it's, it's just as shallow as that. And the point is to show how shallow the pool really yeah, is. Yeah. And again, that. cause like, we're not selling anything. We're not trying trying to get anybody to believe what we believe we're we're like literally you could think of us as entertainers we're just entertaining you to the point that you will look at a perspective and consider this perspective and that's it yep. it's all, we're like we're creating it we're moving on and that's it 
but we are finding that we didn't expect this but people really are finding a lot of different things out of it whether it just be a laugh or even healing or just like a way of telling other people we see them so again like we really don't care about all the negativity that we get on our our things because we really if we could sit down face to face or even on a zoom call with them and explain to them everything that we're doing i really do believe that they would see that we're on the same side of them of just we just want you to stop weaponizing the bible that's it yeah you're not here to troll yeah to be a troll and to, you know, make fun. Well, I mean, you're making fun, oh, we but totally you're not here are. to like deconvert people. Like, No, no. no I mean, not we, at all. Yeah, our, our content, if our content offends you in any way, then it's probably not for you. I find that a lot of the time, and Sarah and I have talked about this, how if what we're saying is so upsetting to you as a Christian, then I don't think that your faith or your religion is very strong. Like yeah. if you really believe this, then I don't think that I should be that upsetting to you. Absolutely. You know, and and we don't, we're probably not doing things right. Like there, we know that, but here's the thing, like we're having the conversation and that's what needs to happen. Cause a lot of this stuff lives inside people. Like I'm so convinced there are so many deconstructed pastors and worship, especially worship pastors out there that feel stuck in their roles. And we know that we know that we have pastors all the time messaging us, like saying like, Hey, I, Thank you. I'm really struggling. I'm in this pastoral role. And and it's like, we feel that. We get it. We understand it. So here's a list of those people. No, I'm just kidding. I've said this before. Like, it was harder to come out as an atheist or as an agnostic person than it was to come out as gay. Like, it was wow. way, like, the ramifications of it way worse. I lost way more people. I... And I mean, there was about eight years between those two events. Like I, ca- I came out as non-Christian way before I came out as queer. But mm. I feel like just the fact that it was so much harder speaks to this like tiny community and and how much of it is so shallow, like the relationships. Like obviously I had some deep relationships and there are people that I'm still friends with to this day. But there are a lot of people where it was like, well, it's done now. My deconstruction was so much more, I don't know, like minuscule compared to your guys's. And the reason is, is because like you, Josh, like my family, I guess both you guys, my family is not, are not Christians, like not really. And so my mom listens to this podcast. Hi mom. And Hi, mom. she, <laughs> and she had no idea that this was what I was going through. Um, she was like, I thought you were just going to church and having fun. Like she had no idea yeah. the damage uh-huh. that it caused me. Yeah. But when I left, I still had my family. I still had a few friends. The thing that I lost the most was my friends really. And I came, yeah. I, 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 this all happened in my first year of college or university. We call it university in Canada and it's so, <laughs> so fancy. And and Sarah went to the UK. I didn't lose Sarah as a friend. I never did. And we actually ended up living together. No, Sarah was getting stoned with you every day <laughs> in our apartment. <laughs> while, while she was deconstructing from Christianity. So that was. And then getting kicked off the teaching Sunday school because she got stoned yeah. and she got told on. <laughs> well, you got caught. It's who told on you? Oh, the okay. I was, story time, I was teaching Sunday school with this this other girl who was my friend and she was sleeping with her boyfriend at the time oh yeah and and she told on me for getting stoned that's a way worse sin i know know. and like weed wasn't legal in canada yet and there's that whole thing of it's illegal but like yeah yeah. that was great 
But I mean, so I got kicked off and then I had to, you can see the, like the Facebook messages of me trying to like get back in and being like the pastor, like, I haven't done this in six months and like I'm no. reading my Bible every day and I just think it would be really great to get to teach Sunday oh school God. again. We call it the Facebook vortex because you can go through your old Facebook messages in the messenger and it's oh, bad. I wouldn't recommend it. Oh. But the first time I ever went to a dispensary, I thought that there was the camera. I was like, there's a camera in there. And I'm like, what if, what if like someone hacks into the camera and like releases this picture of me? <laughs> And I'm a pastor and like, a, you know, oh, like the no. shit that you think about you're like now it's like what why did I that matter it's so dumb I know and I so, oh yeah and like drinking was part of my testimony in in uh in school because like I probably drank in like high school and then I went to the church after and then everyone <laughs> I used to be into drugs and alcohol and then God Jesus saved me actually I think Josh in one of your TikToks you said that you always had this like great testimony because you didn't you didn't have a Christian family, so everyone wanted you to say your testimony. I was similar in that way. They always wanted me to say my testimony, and I'm like, I drank mm-hmm. twice ever, and then Jesus saved me, and like that was like yeah. the best story ever. Like, yeah, totally. absolutely. Yeah, my, I honestly, that's something I'm gonna start hitting a little hard on TikTok is testimony culture because I think it is one of the most harmful and damaging things that the church does, and and not a lot of people are talking about specifically like myself being brought in like and I said this on on a TikTok which was you know the the things that I'm saying to this congregation are meant for the ears of like a therapist truly like that resonated so much with me like when you said that not not be talking to and my mom like my mom I'm in there going like you know my parents are drug addicts and they weren't drug addicts they're just smoking pot right you know and like my mom is in there with like a camcorder as I'm like fucking doling out the family drama you know what i mean but that's how they get you they totally and they celebrated me so much and yeah. i was like and it feels good to be celebrated of oh, course it feels it's like oh, a drug yeah. it feels so good mm-hmm. especially when you're not getting that attention other places you know like i'm coming to terms with the fact now that in a sense, I was like broad. I was 14 or 13 years old. Um, they tricked me into going church, like looking at it now through that lens and going like, oh yeah, they brought me in and like indoctrinated me and like taught me all this weird stuff. Like, mm-hmm. whoa, that's heavy. And they made you feel special. They probably love bombed you. Like, I hate saying that Christianity is a cult because like that's a very controversial subject, I'm sure. But it has a lot of cult-like tactics. Like this is exactly how people get indoctrinated to a cult. It feels so good for people to give you attention. And I got a lot of attention from my parents and at home, but the church, it just was like, it was another level of validation and love. And so I can't play any instruments, but I would sing on the worship worship team. And my mom always jokes, she's like, the only reason you ever went to church is because you got to sing. I'm like, that isn't untrue. (laughs) Yeah, but it's hard to separate the music from it. You really can't, especially, like, I think for most people's experience. And then for me also, like, I keep, again, like, I always kept trying to be like, why did I stay in it as long as I did? Like, why did I keep going? And I I really can't separate it from race because really it felt like almost similarly to, like, wearing the right shoes that are, like, in or, like, the right store brand that's in at the time. Like, going to church made me feel like I was wearing this shield of, like, I'm not Asian. I'm like you. You know, and it really interesting. It was really because then it was like a way for me to, 
I don't know. I just felt very, I never felt like proud of being Asian. I always felt like I was like white, honestly, because I like being in it for so long, like literally praying to God that he would make me white, like, which oh, no. like saying it outside. It's been a long time, but like saying it out loud, you're like, what? Yeah. But I mean, when yeah. you, even like artwork is depicted of people in heaven, mm -hmm. all growing up in the early 2000s, there was never anybody who looked like me in any of those drawings. And if they were, it was just like, like a brown haired girl, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. like that indoctrination at a young age, like also, I think really played a huge part in keeping me in it for as long as I could. And did they like to use you for diversity as well? Oh yeah, always. Cause I was, because I played guitar and I did, you know, sound engineering and all of that. And then like, they'd always use me for videos or like announcements or like solos. And then you get it in your head where you're like, do they even like me as a person? Like, am I actually serving? Like, do I have these gifts? Am I anointed? It's like, it's just all, again, the mental gymnastics of it all. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. I don't think, I don't have any perspective on race and religion. I don't know, Sarah, have you ever come across? I think like what I look back on is just the way that we would talk about developing countries with respect to missionaries. Mm -hmm. I just remember, you know, like the classic like hipster white girl being like, I have a heart for Africa. And you're like, Africa is a whole fucking continent, man. Yeah, like, what you... part of Africa? <laughs> yeah, what part of Africa? Do you know anything other than like World Vision commercials? Like, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Right. Name three countries go yeah and i look back and they're like i've done the whole you know the missionary trip to like developing nations and i look back at pictures and i'm just like oh my god yeah. i cringe so hard oh yeah yeah i i did a lot of missions trip a lot of missions work and and it's such like a it's such like a prideful conceited thing to be like we are superior and we're gonna come and share our knowledge with them. Yeah. I guess it all, like, I didn't really make the connection between colonialism and evangelism, but you really do see the, the connection. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, and I was, um, <clears throat> one of the places that I would spend a lot of time and thankfully, like we didn't do much damage. I don't think in the sense of we weren't like going around and like preaching, we were going around and like kind of providing aid to villages, but I would go to Myanmar Outreach. to Burma or Myanmar. And um, I mean, you still see colonialism there, like in, in the architecture and the, the way that things were built. I mean, it's just like you, you see it, you're faced with it. And so as a white person, like going there, it just falls in line. It, at least at that time, it was really, really weird. And it felt really, really like disgusting and gross. But at the same time, we were connecting with, you know, kids who like had nothing their families their parents were all dead and we were you know like the horrific deaths they'd seen their families die they'd seen their families get murdered in front of them and so um i'm still trying to reconcile that because you know we loaded them up on a bus and took them to the beach and it was like the best day of our lives but then there's just this like white savior complex that happens and i don't know how to sort all through that so missions work is a really really uh, it's that's the one that I'm having the hardest time probably unpacking. It's really complicated because it's easy to be like, oh, it's all bad. But I remember going with a group of dentists once and they were providing free dental care to kids who didn't have access. And you're like, that's huge for the for these children, right? Like it's a major public health crisis not to have access to dental care. And so when we're at when you're actually providing a service and making people's lives mm -hmm. better yeah. and not just like you need to be Christian like us. 
it's totally. it's complicated but was part of yeah. your mission trip like obviously it wasn't just dental care oh we still i shared my testimony on the street <laughs> some street evangelism see we we didn't we weren't allowed to um if we did like we would we could get killed um in the areas that we were in oh, and so okay you know, and this was like not run through an organization. Um, we kind of put the trip. So my friend had met these people on a YWAM trip and then he had started going back every year. And so I started going with him. And so it was a little more of like going to see family and hanging out. The funny thing is, is like we would tell everyone, like, or at least I would be like, it's a missions trip, you know, and people would like pay for it. And I'm like, <laughs> like, no joke, like a week, you know, into the trip, I'm like sitting at a cafe, like smoking a cigarette and having a beer, you know, like, <laughs> That's you should be kicked off teaching Sunday school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the justification was it was culturally okay for Christians, like pastors to have a cigarette and a beer or like something. No like wonder that. you loved it there so much. Totally. And to be clear, when he says we, I was not there. Oh, yeah. This is we meaning like <laughs> I, I, the group, the organization, the group I was with. I was not a white man, so I was not um, on that trip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's too real. That's real. He, he didn't oh, let gosh. you. Yeah, I wasn't allowed. But I do feel uh, similarly to Jessica because I didn't do any missions trips because that was one of the other things. Like, I always felt like I had one foot in Christianity and one outside of it. And that was one of the problems I always had was like, it to me like all the y whammers near me or the people who are like god like god's blessed me with an opportunity and then next thing is well satan's like attacking me y'all like we i'm a thousand dollars short and then the next post is like my prayers have been answered because now like i got a thousand dollar anonymous donation you know like totally. that kind of thing like really, really irked me and really bothered me and then also i was like there's so many problems happening right here like, yes. why aren't you doing anything just here? Like, literally one tiny thing is providing, like, sanitary pads and tampons yes. for homeless women. Like, that's one thing we could be doing. Instead of, like, we have a church near us that will pay for the children's ministry and their friend to go to Disneyland, all expenses paid. Oh, my God. Yes. Whoa. Like, and that's what I'm just, like, that's what we're doing. <laughs> May I ask what YWAM is? I don't know what that is. You've never heard of Youth with a Mission? Oh, it's a cult. It's a total. <laughs> so I love ripping on YWAM. So if you are listening and you are feeling weird that I'm about to rip on YWAM, good. Um, so YWAM is the biggest bullshit sham of an organization. They, I'm going to piss people off here. Good. I'm really glad I asked. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> so basically it's called youth with a mission and they get these kids who don't know what they're really doing um, out of high school. It's a perfect fucking ploy. So they say, and then, you know, we need you to raise this much money to come to YWAM, which is, and then we're going to send you out and do missions work. And I'm telling you the places that they send some of these kids are fucking crazy and unsafe and like really irresponsible. But also like, and a lot of times it's some like girl from Nebraska who has never even been outside of her hometown and is suddenly finding herself in Bangladesh and like, in, like in crazy situations. So, but then there's another side to it where um, you can raise money and then go spend three months 
in Hawaii really? because that's where the main base is and that's where you train to become a missionary to be sent out sometimes to places like Bali to do surf ministry <laughs> or and it's where you meet your husband too oh yeah, yeah. big time yeah well, how do you get assigned to the good ones versus the bad ones it's just luck I'd, I I have a theory that journal. you have to be good looking to get assigned to the good ones, and I'm not kidding. Like I like I think that I'm not, that's probably true. It's like working the cash at Dairy Queen. Yeah. yeah. Oh or yeah. An Abercrombie and Fitch four model. <laughs> yes. But, so that's the toxicity of YWAM to like white American people mostly. Like I feel like it's a very like a white thing to do. I do like, too. It, it's always like like not to be stereotypical, but I'm going to be stereotypical. Like they always have like coordinates tattooed on them or like a map tattooed on them <laughs> or a, oh, compass, yeah. <laughs> a compass yeah and then like yes. they still have like a bunch of bracelets from like every country they've been to like totally. those like dreaded <laughs> ones and they're just longing for their next missions trip because the profile picture of them holding like a child is oh yeah is with like a fade. headband no makeup and an orphan uh, child uh, anyway well it's a high like people get addicted oh, to that totally. oh. so yeah. it's a it's an awful organization if you're thinking about going to ywam it's the equivalent of going to hillsong to learn worship like that is oh. like that yeah don't do it did people in canada do this oh yeah it's it's like all over the world people do it yeah it's huge oh. Um, yeah, see, a lot of these things just, like, I was very, and I talked about this before, but, like, I barely listened, you know, in, in Christianity. There were things that permeated so deep that I still have problems with, but luckily for me, there were um, a lot of things that they just were off my radar completely, and also, I didn't, because I said my story is similar to your Josh's, but, like, I feel like nobody, like, grabbed onto me and pulled me in deeper and I got really lucky. People kind of tried, but then they like gave up. Um, mm -hmm. Sarah brought me in, but she didn't pull me in too too deep. Yeah, yeah. I kind of just like no, I just jumped the deep end myself. Like. Yeah, and yeah. I was kind of a poster child for it because I I had a past, right? Like I had a story, um, and then on top of that, I played music. So they like wanted a piece of me right away. Like the second week I after I became a Christian, they put me on stage to start leading worship. I didn't even know what the fuck I was doing. Oh, we love young men though. Young <laughs> men are, they're so wise. Yeah, yeah, no. I, so very wise. <laughs> wise, not problematic at all. And, you know, giving a young man a stage and attention, you'd think there'd be like accountability well, we and things set in place, but no. get them used to being able to speak and everyone listens. Yeah. Men need respect. They need respect. Yeah. <laughs> the church that you originally went to, Josh, was it the same one that you stuck with for all those years? No, I grew up going to this really small Presbyterian church in uh, in the town of Carmel, California, where Clint Eastwood was our mayor. <laughs> what? I feel like that was a Mad Lib. Like, what you <laughs> no, it's true. You look, if you look up, like, if you've heard of Pebble Beach, like the Pebble Beach Golf Course, or okay. it's it's the Monterey Peninsula. It's very famous okay. if you look it up. <laughs> Um, yeah, Clint Eastwood was Brad Pitt, Jennifer Aniston, like have like famous people yeah, live there. there. Like, wow, yeah. is, so fancy. I was not wealthy or fancy growing. <laughs> there is a trailer park. There's a trailer park there that I lived in. Yes. But when what age did you end up going to the mega church? Right out of high school, I had met someone that introduced me to this church, and I got hired on as the high school and junior high worship pastor or worship leader right out of high school. 
<laughs> alongside of um, I was a junior high intern, but then I was also in a band at the time, and so that was like all happening at the same time. Right out of high school, was the band a Christian band or a secular? No, band? so it was a secular band, and so like I was <laughs> secular. I, I was on. I, know. <laughs> I was doing like I was on Warp Tour and stuff at the same time where I was like really? doing this, and then. And then over the course of 20 years, I became one of the executive pastors at the the church. And so I was over the whole Sunday service. And it's just like somebody oh, like I, I guess I got really lucky that I didn't end up like Sarah. Sarah, not so much. Well, I mean, I was worked to the bone. Like when I was in grade 12 last year of high school. I was going to church six days a week. You were? See, yeah. Sarah and I were best friends. Like literally I moved to I moved to the same city when I was 12 and we've been best friends pretty much since, since then. Since then. So we're 32 now. So it's yeah. 20 years and she's like you went to church 6 nights a week? I thought we hung out. Like what are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't sleep much. <laughs> what the fuck? And then yeah. like even when you were in the UK we talked and then we lived together after that and I still didn't know this stuff. Well, I feel like so much of it was like an an inner journey too yeah. like you know we've talked about like me being scared at night because I was I was terrified of demons and just like <laughs> yeah like I would lose sleep and I'd be like do you use the name of Jesus to get them away I did <gasps> me too Sarah I even did like salt like salt around the perimeter <laughs> and like that's not and... of God that's not of God. But yeah, That's some I, witchcraft shit right there. So basically, like, I have, um, yeah. so I have chronic Lyme disease, and I didn't know it until only a couple years ago. But during this time, I was, like, super, super trying to be as religious as I could and, like, finding the theology behind all kinds, all things, and, um, <laughs> like, apologetics and all of that. And I basically didn't know that I had Lyme disease, which is important because it's a neurological disease and it affects your brain, obviously. So I thought I was having, you know, like these demonic visits, I guess, yeah. and like visions. And I was really scared um, and was sleeping with my apartment door open oh, and like no. staying on the uh, phone and like FaceTime with friends and like my the pastor was going to come to my apartment and like pray over it and all of this stuff but really like oh, Lyme wow. disease is a bacterial born disease that's affecting my brain and it comes in cycles and so I wasn't oh. having demonic possession cycles I was going through like Lyme disease episodes where I was literally having hallucinations and all of this stuff and I remember legitimately feeling like I needed to pray more and like not go to a hospital but just pray. That's so fucking dark. Um like that was how inundated I was with it and because it's never yeah. God's fault, right? It's never God's fault. No, it's your, your fault. fault. No. Yeah, and also like you know that idea of it means you're doing good work. Like when the enemy is attacking you, mm. it's because you're doing yeah. good work. You guys, what the fuck are you talking about? What? <laughs> <laughs> have oh you read God. the screw? Totally. Have you read the screw tape letters? Oh, of oh, course. Yeah. You're a target. Good. You're a target. <laughs> God was God was using you, so Satan made you a personal I target. Know. What? Like that's some fucked up shit what you have to like believe. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's already hard enough to be a young adult. Like <laughs> yeah, and then you think like if I'm doing really good, I'm gonna have a target. Well, why but, was I sleeping with my apartment door open? That made me feel safer. What is in I, LA? In LA, what's wrong with me? <laughs> God. What was I doing? Like that's how much I really like. I fully believed in it. Oh my wow. god! Like it just blows my mind. It's wild. It doesn't surprise me, but it's also just 
It's the saddest thing I've ever heard. That is so sad. And and you're not getting yeah. real help. You you need real help. And you're you yes. can't even fathom. Yeah, and like the people around you are recommending religious counselors which just like feeds into it more because like it takes oh, a, uh, a they lot are not of... qualified for that yeah right like pastoral counsel like i know there are people that do a master's in counseling that pursue like a christian perspective i'm talking more about pastors directly that are doing pastoral counseling but i remember like being 19 and i've shared this with jessica and after being sexually assaulted going to my pastor and then he was like, oh, you need to ask for forgiveness because you were drunk. So, like, you you <gasps> caused this. Like, you put yourself in that situation. No. Yeah. He's like, what the person did's wrong, but, like, you also need to ask for forgiveness. I'm sorry. Oh, God. That's not true at all. And I just would, like, I've thought about for years about saying something to him to just be like, that's really, like, that's really not a good thing. Like, you should not be counseling young women. Or anyone. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, not at all. Tristan and Sage can call them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Oh my God. I have questions about your Christian tattoos. I know this yes! is so completely <laughs> off topic, but Sarah has Christian tattoos. I wanted to get a Jesus fish tattoo when I was 16. My mother refused to let me. Thank fucking God. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't have any Christian related tattoos, but Josh, I believe you do. Presley, do you also have some? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's funny. The I other... am lucky. <laughs> that I, like I said, I was always in two places at once. So I do have a candle. Um, if you, okay. So this right here is a candle, right? With this, yep. like, it's supposed to be based off the hymn, How Firm a Foundation. Um, thy flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. So technically, like, if you saw this, you may not, like, immediately know. So I'm like, Phew. But then I also do have a lion's tooth. I do have a lion's tooth, which, again, you know, like, I think we're able to get past. But I did almost get something in, like... I was looking for something in Aramaic. I got some original Greek t- mm. tattooed on my ankle. Oh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I dodged it's more legit. That I, I mean, so my tattoos are more like uh, Bible inspired, I'd say. Like I, so I have my first tattoo. I got the word grace. Oh my God. Classic. Um, you on, did? On, on Wait, my, where's grace tattooed on, my, on you? With the birds on the, on the, on the leg. It, it says, says grace on yeah, it? Says grace. Oh, are they doves? Are they doves? Um, they're swallows, um, which is, I've always been really into traditional tattooing. And so, and let me be clear. The reason why I got Christian tattoos, because I always thought I was like a little nerdy. That's why I didn't get a lot. Was that because it gave me the, it, it's what I could justify getting tattooed at the time. Like, because I, cause I right. wasn't allow, allowed really to get tattoos. The other day I was like, thank God I don't have a Bible verse tattooed on me. And then I remembered my whole fucking chest is a giant Bible verse. What? Uh, oh no. <laughs> which is, uh, it says love and mercy. And it, there's a scripture it's like take love take mercy make Isn't a necklace there's a out sacred of it. heart on it too yeah it? yeah and then i have a i have praying hands here and the but the fingers all fucked up like they the tattoo are messed up <laughs> in the finger. have you so ever been out. coloring in a coloring book and you didn't color the right lines and until you color it, you realize what you were supposed to color that's yes. what happened to his arm oh my god oh, no. <laughs> i have a bible verse with a missing letter that they added in after. I remember when you got that tattoo, and I was like, "Sarah, it's not spelled right." 
Were you the person that texted me that? I think it was you. Probably, because you it's on your foot. Because I sent a picture. It was like, perfect love cast out beer. But they put perfect love cast out beer. And then they added in the S after. But <laughs> it's bad. Luckily, like, foot tattoos tend to fade. So that probably isn't, like, super clear anyway. Oh, I got it touched up. Oh, of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah. Oh, oh Jesus. God. And then you have also like King of Kings. I have King of Kings on my leg with four fucking king cards. <laughs> Which made me laugh out loud when I saw my TikTok. I was like, perfect. Perfect. King of Kings with the king cards. <laughs> I can love it. It's amazing. I never got a Bible verse, so I'm I'm glad about that. But like there's a lot like there's a lot of inspired. Like this one is for my kids. There's two of them. And it was like, I think there's a Bible verse that's like arrow like having children is like arrows in your quiver or something like oh that. no yeah you want to have as many arrows in your quiver as possible oh, the quiverful. Exactly. Quiverful. Quiverful. Ooh. yeah yes like yeah. but i think uh, luckily a lot of the tattoos that you guys both have except for the prayer hands i'd say that's pretty christian uh but you can kind of play it off <laughs> Thank you. sorry yeah, about the prayer hands i'm really sorry I, it's funny to me too because it's a lotus flower but below the praying hands yeah with an upside down <laughs> tibetan skull i appropriated a lot of things um, you should have just tattoo. gotten like uh an indigenous people's just like oh, feather my, oh my yeah, god just I'm just crying I'm crying right now. and I a dream it. catcher wait I, have a, wait I have a tattoo that I got with a lady from my church <gasps> I have an infinity tattoo which is my don't say infinity tattoo infinity sign infinity let's, sign let's say tattoo, it loud and proud which it now looks just like a pair of fucked up glasses without <laughs> Like, <laughs> so you have like the most quintessential white girl tattoo in the whole world. I have the saying. white girl tattoo. Well, I have oh, two. Yeah, I have two of them. I have two. I have two I very know. white girl tattoos, which is my second is my white girl Pinterest. Uh, I'm traveling tattoo. <laughs> What's that? What the- oh, it's yes. It's, it's a, a paper airplane. Paper airplane with oh, the, like, my God. Do, you ha- do you have dashes behind it? though? Yes, Fuck yeah, does. I got red dashes. Yeah. He's quirky. Oh, wow. it's I'm quirky. oh, my God. You guys, that's amazing. At least you don't have like a bloody crucifixion or something on you oh, like my god i have friends who do and i'm like thank god i did not get a jesus tattoo and that's the end of part one next week we'll be back with part two of our interview with joshua presley we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you back next week 